There are many paths in life. Many roads to choose from. But only one of them leads to eternal life. Jesus offers a new way and invites us along to welcome others, to live with integrity, to share the good news that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have him, you have all you need. There is no other way. We have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount together as we consider the way. And Jesus came and taught the Sermon on the Mount as a way of introducing a new way of living, a new way of thinking. That's the whole point of the sermon, is to introduce the kingdom of God. And so we've been looking at it carefully, and we come this morning to a pivotal moment in the Sermon on the Mount. Matter of fact, we might even say it is the pivotal moment in the sermon. The sermon is structured in, in uh, a way that perhaps we don't often catch as we study it in pieces. But were we to look at it as a whole, we'd get a better feel for how the sermon is put together. The introduction to the sermon is what we call the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus is setting up his, uh, his argument or the, his presentation. He's preparing the people to understand what he wants to say. And so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, you're blessed if you're willing to admit that you don't have everything you need spiritually. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who realize that they're not right spiritually, but they want something more. You're blessed if you're in a position where you say, I know I'm not completely right with God, and I want to change that. That's the introduction. You're blessed if you're in that position. And then he's going to kind of unfold for us how to, how to resolve that. And so he introduces the theme of the sermon, which, believe it or not, I believe the theme of the body of the sermon was when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. What a strange theme for a great sermon like that. But that was the essence of what he was teaching them. He was saying to them, so far, the scribes and Pharisees have shown you a religion. It's an outward thing. It's do the right things, perform the right rites and, and, and religious activities. Look right on the outside. He said, this is what has been presented to you. But over and over in the sermon, he says, you've heard it said this, but I say this. And every time he would drive them past the externals, the appearances, and drive them right to the heart of the matter. The Sermon on the Mount says to us, just being religious isn't being a part of the kingdom of God. Instead, in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, 
I have to be changed within. And after he presents that that theme in many different ways, he summarizes the whole sermon with what we call the golden rule. The summary of the whole body of the sermon is, well, how do I know how to live in this new way, this new kingdom? How do I know how to be right internally and real with myself and with God from within? How do I do that? Jesus says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Once you understand this kingdom life, then you not only receive Christ's righteousness, that's how your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, not by being better than they are, but by trusting Christ so his righteousness gets credited to you. We covered that pretty heavily at the beginning. Once you have that set, once you know Jesus, you have his righteousness, then your goal, your purpose becomes to to live more like Jesus every day. That's your goal. Once you are, what we, the word we've always used is saved. Once you've trusted in Christ, He declares you righteous and forgiven. Once that happens, your goal becomes, now how can I live like Him in this new kingdom? Well, the guiding principle for living like Jesus is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So he introduces it with basically a poem we call the Beatitudes. Then he he covers this righteousness and how it happens through him. And then we follow up on that in discipleship, becoming like him. He summarizes it with that great saying that we all know and we can hang on to now. And then is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. And today we come to the conclusion. And being the good Baptist that Jesus was, the conclusion to his sermon is a public invitation. The conclusion, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is a series of choices, decisions. He calls his audience to do something about what they've just learned. He starts, there are two gates, you have to pick one. There are two paths, you have to pick one. There are two trees. We'll talk about those in a week or two. Eventually, he winds up saying, there are two foundations upon which to build your life. One will cause your life to crumble. The other will cause your life to stand even the strongest storms. And you have to choose. We enter now into the part of the sermon, the conclusion in which he calls us to a decision. Look with me, if you will, as we talk together this morning about the narrow way. We're in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin at verse 13. We're only going to cover two verses. These two verses are powerful, pivotal moment in the sermon. They basically bring it home and get us started deciding what we're going to do about this sermon. He has introduced to us the way. Now we have to decide, are we going to be a part of the way? We're in Matthew chapter 7, look with me at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. 
For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I want you to notice, first of all, this morning with me that he describes two gates. There are two gates. He says one gate is narrow, and few enter it. Then there's another gate that is wide. It's wide because it's easy to come and go, and people are always entering that gate. As a matter of fact, the truth is that the narrow gate is so narrow and the wide gate is so wide that if you don't go through the narrow gate, you are by definition entering the wide gate. There is a choice and a decision. Jesus says, I am calling you into my kingdom, the kingdom of God, the way of life. But now you have to decide, will you enter into the narrow gate or go through the wide gate? Well, what is the narrow gate? The entrance into the kingdom is very simple. The entrance into the kingdom, and there's only one, and it's narrow. We are often accused of being narrow-minded The truth is the gospel itself is narrow-minded. There is one narrow gate, and it is what we call the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel means, that word means good news. So here's the gate. Here's how you get into the kingdom of God, how you get adopted into his family, how you begin a journey of life that lasts forever. Here's how it works. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You start by saying, I know I'm a sinner. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You say, I know I'm a sinner and I need help. God, would you forgive me because I want to be right with you? And God says, you know what? If you sin, you die. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. But then God says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son. And he's going to do the dying for you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the reality is where there is sin, there must be death to pay for that sin. And God loves us so much that he sent his only son to pay that debt that death covers sin. Now, we can come to Jesus and we can say, just like these two said this morning, I believe that you died for me. You're my Savior. And I will follow you the rest of my life. You're my Lord. When we say those, when we make those commitments, the gate is open. We enter through the gate. All based on what He has done, not what we can do. Also, not based on what we decide is true. This morning is going to make some of us very uncomfortable. Because some of us have only grown up in a culture in which we were taught everybody gets to choose their own truth. Everybody gets to decide what's right for them. You get to choose what is real. And this message is going to make us very uncomfortable 
Because Jesus says everybody who decides they want their own truth, they're on this broad path and they do their own thing their way. But if you want to be in the kingdom of God, adopted into his family, you want to be in the way, here's this very narrow gate. There's only one way in. That way is, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to die. I believe Jesus died for me and I'm willing to live for him. Would you let me in? And the gate is open. As we think about this narrow gate and the broad gate, I kind of have a weird picture in my mind of the narrow gate. Instead of seeing something beautiful and ornate and gold, I think the narrow gate is a whole lot more like a turnstile. I think this is a lot more representative of the narrow gate because The turnstile only lets one in at a time. In other words, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to come by yourself. It doesn't work to be married to a Christian so you're automatically a Christian by default. It doesn't work to just be the... grow up in church and be the child of Christians and therefore you're a Christian by default. See, God doesn't have any grandkids. He only has children. It doesn't work to be related to a child of God so you get in. Only one at a time comes in. You come in alone. Not only does that turnstile make sure that you come in on your own, but it also makes sure you don't bring a bunch of junk with you. You can't get through that turnstile with a backpack and three three carry-ons and two suitcases. You got to leave all that baggage behind you. You got to leave all the stuff. And so Jesus said very clearly, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. In other words, you leave all the stuff of the world. You leave all the, all the, all the distractions at the gate. And then you go through on faith. Saying, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me. I want to live for you. John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus is talking about himself as a shepherd. And in his description of himself as a shepherd, he talks about how you put the sheep inside the fold at night and there's a, there's a wall around three sides and one side is open. And the shepherd would then lay down to be that fourth wall at night. So if the sheep were going to get out, they'd have to go over the shepherd. He lays down his life to protect them so no enemies could get in and the sheep were protected. And he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, we'll be saved and we'll go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, there's a narrow gate, and I'm it. Trusting in Christ is the way. It is the only way. You say, well, that's not fair, that we have to enter by one particular gate to be on the right road. That's just not fair. Friends, we don't deserve any gate at all. The fact that there is a gate demonstrates his love and expresses his grace.
there are two gates and there are two roads. Again, he, he said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. The way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. There's a broad way and a narrow way. In that broad road, it's attractive and it feels good and it feels even right because that's where everybody is. All of the culture, everybody around us is on this broad road. As long as you love people and you're sincere in your beliefs, you're welcome. And man, that sounds good to our modern ears. Love people and be sincere? Yeah, I can do that. Problem is that doesn't settle your sin problem. And you're just carrying your sin along with you in all your sincerity. The broad way sounds right, feels right. Everyone's with us. But Jesus calls his followers to something new, something different, something deeper, something lasting. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The broad way is easy because everybody's there. Don't have to think, don't have to, don't have to decide. I'm just, if I haven't decided the narrow way, I am on the broad way, so I'm just hanging out. Life is good, I'm cruising. The only problem is when I get where I'm headed, I'm going to wish I had chosen a different route. Jesus says, if you want to be in the family of God, you want to be in the kingdom, there's only one way. I am the way, definite article, and it's there in Greek, definite article, the, not a, not one of many. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no matter how good you are, no matter who your mama was, no one comes to the Father except through me. You enter the narrow gate of the gospel and you walk on the path, the way that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, for there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Those of you who take notes, that is 1 Timothy 2 and 5. One God and one mediator who can get us to him. There are two roads. I'm either walking with Jesus or I'm walking without him. I might be with the crowd, but I'm not with Christ. I'm either in the kingdom or I'm outside the kingdom. There are only two roads. If I'm not on the narrow way, I am on the wide way. Star Wars fans have noticed that I've been referencing the Mandalorian throughout the series with the phrase, this is the way. Well, friends, Jesus says, this is the way. There's a narrow gate of the gospel 
and there is a narrow path of a relationship with Christ, this is how you stay in the kingdom and arrive in glory. Which takes us to two destinations. There were two gates and two roads, and now there are two destinations. Because he said, enter the narrow gate. The gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to destruction. The wide road goes somewhere. It's just not where you think it is. Those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow, the way is hard, that leads to life. Both roads have a destination. I told the kids that we got to do a little traveling this weekend. We, we went to Dallas and we went to Grapevine and Fort Worth and Weatherford. And it was all to celebrate our granddaughter's first birthday. Collins just turned one year old. And we had the best weekend. We, we enjoyed our time so much. But you know, I wasn't kidding when I told the kids I had no idea how to get where I needed to be. The only way I could find it was tell Waze, this is where I need to be, so you get me there. And Waze knew how to make sure I wound up where I needed to be. You see, if you go the wrong direction, you're going to wind up at the wrong destination. The wide road is easy because it looks good, it feels good, it sounds good, it fits our culture. But my friends, I, I, would, not, I would not sincerely love you if I just watched you go down the road to experience your freedom knowing where you're headed. The wide road leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to life. John 3 and 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. See that word remains? The reason it remains on him is because we all start there. We all start in sin. And unless we do something about that sin problem, we remain with that sin problem. So Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. You enter the gate through the gospel, you walk the way in relationship with Him, you wind up experiencing life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, and the wrath of God remains on him. The destination is destruction. So Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is a way to death. See, Satan never labels the road to hell, hell. That road sign never shows up. The truth is, if you hope to spend eternity with God after death, faith in Christ, and his death and resurrection is the only way to make that happen. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know, when we were driving yesterday and the day before, every once in a while we got to get on that express lane. You know, in the big cities they have that express lane. You, you, pay, you pay the price of two Starbucks drinks to get on that express lane. 
And man, I loved it because I'm cruising along and I'm looking over my shoulder at all those people over there with the taillights red and everybody's blocked and there's traffic and I'm waving at them as we're cruising down this express lane. We are rolling. But you know that express lane works because there's a wall on each side. There are not very many exits and entrances there's, it's walled in. So before you get on that thing, you best better know where it's going to let you out. You might wind up in Denton when you thought you was going to DeSoto. You get on that thing, you better know where it's going to let you out or you're going to be stuck. And friends, this is the way. You better know where the life you've chosen is going to let you out. So here's a simple question. When you get where you're going, where are you going to be? When you get where you're going, where are you going to be? There's two destinations based on two pathways or two roads that start with two gates. And then finally, you'll notice there are two groups. There are two groups. Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many big group the gate is narrow the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few there are few true disciples real discipleship is rare why primarily because it costs something you remember we talked about this earlier mark 8 and 34 calling to the crowd to him with his disciples he said to them if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me we don't like that deny self stuff and so those who are willing to deny self and follow Christ are few true disciples are rare but there are only two groups the few disciples who enter the gate of the gospel who walk the way of of life with Jesus who wind up in glory with him there are only a few but understand he's not trying to keep anyone out He's showing us how to get in. The invitation is to enter the gate of the gospel and walk the way of life and make your way to your heavenly home. And that invitation is offered to anyone who will receive it. I want you to just listen to a few verses as we close. They're not going to be on the screen. Don't try to track them down in scripture. Just sit and listen for just a moment. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel 2.32 Again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2, 21. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. John 6, 40. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, 
but the wrath of God remains on him. John 3, 36, the point is this, the gate is narrow, the way is hard, the crowd is few, but the destination is sure. And the invitation is, whosoever will may come.